1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: What is going on everyone? Welcome to the Kegolasso podcast. We are here for the Gold Cup final preview. It's your Gold Cup coverage crew, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce. We've been with you all tournament long and if you're just tuning in, for the first time we appreciate all of you and you've come for a good one you're, com- you're coming for for the one jimmy this unfortunately the tournament is coming to an end which means we're reaching the final but that's also the benefit of we getting we're getting us
2: versus mexico in a final jimmy how you doing man oh uh, we got to the finish line i haven't slept since the last last podcast i can't even get my words out everybody i watched uh, the new episode of ted lasso and i rolled that right into the women taking on the netherlands Very exciting uh, game in the Olympics Mm 2-2 and then Megan banging in the winner as she does. I mean, the winning penalty that is. So yes, I'm here for it. I'm excited. I'm buzzing for this matchup. This is the one that everybody wanted on paper. It's a replay of the UEFA UEFA. I don't know why I would say UEFA the CONCACAF Nations League final that we won back in June. So As you can tell, I'm a little bit all over the place, but that's the way everybody likes me. So let's go.
0: Yeah, Jimmy, I think perhaps that hat for people who are just listening to this in audio, Jimmy's got the red, white, and blue wig on right now, and he may have fastened it a little tight. That's uh, uh, constricting some of his blood flow to his words right now, but- I've got (laughs) my megaphone too. The
2: megaphone is out. (laughs) Uh,
0: I saw that video yesterday, Jimmy, that you posted when you were uh, megaphoning right when the team scored, which was pretty awesome.
2: (laughs) Yes. I. I love my megaphone. I have a lot of uh, gadgets over here that help enhance the experience, but I'm buzzing, you know, both on the women's side and the men's side, even though they might not be playing particularly well, they're still figuring out ways to advance to the next round of things. And now we're at the final, we're at the finish line. So this is going to be a good one, a great test for a lot of our young players in particular. When I looked at who started in the Nations League final for Mexico, six of those players that started in that one, started uh, against Canada in the semifinal. There was 10 players overall that's currently on the roster that were on the Nations League roster. And some of those players that were on the Nations League are actually with the Mexican team in the Olympics. So they're missing a few players and having to balance that. They could be even stronger right now. Obviously, the U.S. could be as well. When I look at the U.S., though, only Kellen Acosta started in that Nations League final against Mexico. And then Leggett and Reggie Cannon came on as sub. So we only have three players compared to their 10 overall that have that experience from a month ago. And because we won 3-2, and because there was a lot of CONCACAFing going on in that game as well, I expect there to be some fireworks in this. And it's gonna again, it's gonna be an amazing experience as we continue to evaluate which players can help us moving forward. Okay, Jimmy. So let's start, let's
0: start with a little bit of uh because you and I we're gonna go all over the place on this one. And that's the way it needs to be because it's a final, it's the US team. You you mentioned it already. Their team's not playing particularly well. I don't think Mexico played particularly well against no, they did Canada not. in the semifinals. And Mexico were trending upward from the very beginning from their opening draw against Trinidad to then you know, uh, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, just really working through those games and improving. Um, but this one wasn't great. And so I guess from the U S side, who do you think for this team to have their best chance to win? Right. And I, I know you're going to say Matt Turner, but, uh, but in addition to him, <laughs> uh, who, who has to have a good game or, or what players are, are key to the U S uh, being able to one stay in the game and two. Uh, be able to win this
2: because because I, I do think that they're underdogs in this. The U.S. are underdogs, and when I look at William Hill for all you uh, wagering people out there, they're also the underdogs. Plus two fifty to win this one straight up, whereas mexico's plus plus one twenty five. So oh, wow. I would say that Matt Turner obviously has to stand on his head, continuing to make the saves that he has been making. They haven't given up a goal in the run of play, and Mexico just gave up their first goal, and it was in the run of play against Canada. So we did see some vulnerabilities uh, against Mexico. And I think when I look at the goal that they scored, Buchanan did a really good job of getting in behind the defense. And Daryl DK or Jossie Zardes or whoever ends up starting, and I guess we'll get to that part of the field soon enough in terms of who we like to see at this point. We need to be able to stretch the team. And I was at the game in New York when we lost 3-0. It was a friendly U.S.-Mexico. But I remember that game in particular because... That was at the time where Greg Berhalter, the manager of the U.S., was, we're going to play out of the back no matter what. And Zach Steffen touched the ball more than our number 10, Christian Pulisic. And Zach Steffen's a goalkeeper. It's unacceptable. And it's almost like we weren't allowed to hit a a long ball. Like Greg's like, whatever we do, don't bypass a line. Don't bypass the midfield. We got to play through everything. And Mexico's like, thank you very much. We made a couple mistakes and we lose 3-0. Where I think Canada was very smart was that they mixed that up a little bit. They did play a couple long. They were looking for that. And obviously they have a little bit of speed in Buchanan and other players that can get in behind and even looking for it, right? When a player knows, hey, this might be a possibility, then you still have an advantage. You still have something. It's not just a a hopeful ball. You're actually putting a little bit of purpose behind it if everybody's on the same page. And so I hope that we mix it up a little bit. That's how we're going to break down this Mexican team. And it's not easy to do, of course. I think that James Sands and Miles Robinson, the two center backs, have to be having their best game of this tournament so far. And I think Miles Robinson has gotten better with each passing game, and I'm continuing to be impressed. What's really crazy, but
0: freeze, freeze real quick on that. I'm freezing. When you say best game from, from the two of them, is that all encompassing in their ability to build up play? Or are you talking about defensive first structure, communication, movement, organization, like all of those sort of. Uh, aspects that you have control of as a defender being your first priority. Or are you talking about you know because both of them are decent on the pass and those types of things? Or are you talking to, uh, you know define I guess their their being the be- their best game for for central defenders?
2: I'm only thinking defense first yeah. because <laughs> right. they need. I'm a defender, so yeah. they need to put players in good spots to make plays. They need to make things as predictable as possible. And, and move Kellen Acosta, joystick Kellen Acosta around to make sure he's blocking passing lanes, not allowing Mexico to establish that flow and rhythm because as we know, if you're in the stadium and all of a sudden the crowd starts going, Ole! Mm-hmm. Ole! And you start to hear that, you lose that, that tactical acumen in some ways and you start to get emotional because you, you feel like you're getting embarrassed. Honestly, it, it, it's it's a weird trigger when you're on the field and you hear the fans start doing the olays because I guess it depends on where they're doing it. If you know they're doing it in the back and it doesn't really matter and they're going back and forth, okay. But if they start to kind of get in dangerous areas and they're doing the olays and you can tell, because that, that gives the Mexican players confidence and it yep. deflates whoever their opponent is. We have to make sure that they can't establish that type of flow and rhythm because if we get to that point, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And so... They have to be able to move Kellen Acosta and put him in good spots. We'll see if Busio starts. I could see maybe potentially Eric Williamson getting the start just because you could go to a little bit more of a double pivot. That said, Busio is going to be better at breaking the lines with his passing. So, and running. So it'll be interesting to see what Greg elects to do because I think again against Qatar, it's not, we weren't overrun in the same way like we were against Canada and in sometimes against Jamaica in the last few games, but we weren't establishing ourselves. We want to put in our mark on stuff. So ultimately, I guess a really long way of me saying is that we need to have everybody play their best game against Mexico. Not, and I actually reference what you want to, you said a couple podcasts ago about Sammy Vines and Shaq Moore. We don't always need them to be nines, but we need a lot of guys to be sevens and we need some of our guys in the spine of the team to be nines. We need Matt Turner to be nine. We need our center backs, Kellen Acosta to be nines. And we need whoever's going to play the number nine up top to also have a hell of a game because not only do they need to run behind and keep that back line for Mexico honest so they can create space in midfield they also have to hold up the ball so we can transition if, if we can't play out of situations because we're, we're pissing the ball away with a bad touch or a loose touch or we're too casual then Mexico is going to continue to take that space and it's going to get tighter and tighter and tighter and the only way you release that that pressure is to hit a long ball and then to start from their half and go from there but Sometimes I feel like under Greg we try to play out of situations a lot when maybe we shouldn't.
0: Yeah, I think you made a great point there with Canada and I was trying to reflect on what made them so good outside of the grit and the fight and and them just be rising to the challenge and all of those are clichés that get used a lot but there was just something about the way they played and I think you you summarized it well and that they were willing to take what the game was giving them. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and also dictate some things, which was if Mexico is going to press up underneath and they're going to keep forcing us here, let's get out into the channels. Let's get over the top a few times. Just the classic things, Jimmy, you're, you're, you're doing your, your, your a coaching license or just completed it or somewhere in there. Um, but you know, I remember you remember in coaching when you come in, not coaching, but when we were playing, you'd come into a halftime or you'd come into a game and you'd be like, mix it up, you know, Mm-hmm. If they're going to press up high, this team is known for pressing and pressing well, then lump a few in behind them and keep them honest, right? That'll right, start right. to pull them back. Make those center backs uncomfortable. Make them them have to run out into the channels. Do a few of those things. And when you had strikers that were willing to run those channels, they get the ball, they lay it off. Those start to eventually frustrate the players on the field. Like, oh, dude, I don't want to run 40 yards out there just to right. have them turn back and play it back. And now, you know, whatever, or we press, and they break the press on a lump ball over the top. And now I got to chase the guy down into the, to the, to the corner flag. And so all of those types of things, are really important and unless you're super, super good. And I thought Qatar were actually really good in, the, in, in being able to break pressure and be super technical and clean on crisp on the ball to be able to work through lines like that. I don't think the US is at that point, especially with this group. So can you hit the channels? Can you, and that's where, where Hoppy has been such a, a difference maker in a lot of ways because he's willing to do some of that work that just disrupts things, right? I'm gonna mm-hmm. run it two players and then I'm gonna beat the first one and now we've imbalanced them, right? Now they're out of shape. And now the next guy has to decide, is he going to step up? Is he going to drop off? And that starts to change the angles of the game. And, and I don't think we've had that from anybody else in, in our, in our attacking third, that's starting to change. Uh, the dynamic uh, of the way that we attack and so he, he's just an example of one that I think also if he, if he does play and there's not some sort of falling out with with Greg Berhalter for those that didn't know there's a little bit of uh, a run-in on the sideline uh, we'll call it passion I haven't now. seen too much chatter about it yeah. so maybe that's it's good on issue that's yeah. good that's good and you know and I, I do think that narrative has changed over the last couple of years into being like protect that player and fiery as opposed to that sort of like right you know um, this, this guy thinks he's bigger than the team type thing. So he's one that I think has to, also has to have a, a big game and, and being willing to stretch the teams wide, stretch to Mexico wide, get in behind, just be that engine that's constantly like, Oh, that ball over the top. Uh, I'm going to chase it. You know, that ball that that's maybe a, a 70, 30 for them. I'm going to put them under pressure make them lump it up the field or lump it out of bounds for, for a, a throw and just constantly making them uncomfortable. I think is an important factor, uh, within all this now, you know, Shifting over to, to Mexico, uh, was there anything that stood out in the Canada game that that offered up vulnerabilities and uh, the way that the U.S. should be approaching uh, this game or ways that they think you think that they can
2: execute or, or capitalize on, on, on moments? I would say I would see where Mexico is trying to set up, where they're trying to hold their line. They do have a tendency because they're very good at pressuring the ball of that back line taking steps a little bit closer, a little bit closer, and really closing the gap, as I mentioned before. And Buchanan scored his goal because they took a risk. They, they tried to hold a line against a player that was well-timed ball, a well-timed run, and then obviously had the composure to run at that, that back line. I think if you can isolate these Mexican defenders 1v1, you got to run at them. Don't, don't play safe. And I, and I hope that that's encouraged, and I'm sure it will be. So I'm curious to see as to where they're going to set up. I'm sure Tata Martino is going to recognize, hey, we can't, we can't, this is such an unnecessary risk. We don't need to step up. You're just, in some ways, being lazy, right? You're just Mm -hmm. hoping that the offside call is going to be done instead of actually doing the work. That said, I think there are other spots. Sometimes, and, and maybe you can reflect on your time playing against Mexico, when they start to get emotional, they lose their you can see them lose the tactical plan a little bit. It becomes a lot more raw emotion from them. And I think the sooner we can get them to that point, the better off we're going to be. If we can keep our own discipline. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is also a big ask on our side. So there are a couple ways you can get at them. Some of it's emotionally, some of it's tactically. And to your point, uh, with that unpredictability, I think is going to be important. What I would look at, though, is where Mexico is going to kind of set up their press. They're probably going to come at us right away. And then what does their back line look like? How stretched are they? Can we actually play through their lines? Or can we have those well-timed runs? And Matthew Hoppe does do a good job of also kind of making those uh, outside to in runs, right? In between or inside the outside back or even outside. But he's still... He's still trying to get in behind, even though he's a little bit farther wide. And I still think that's important because that could hold uh, Rodriguez there in particular, who is a guy who's very chippy and is going to be looking to kick him right away. He's one mm-hmm. of the guys that was choking one of the Canadian players. So he... Hand on the throat. Hand on the hand, throat. Okay, okay. Hand <laughs> on a throat. Choking hand on the throat. All right. But but I think that's going to be a great test for Hoppy. He's going to go up against a guy who's a real bastard. And I say that with all due respect because I think as a defender, you have to be a bastard sometimes. And, and I, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how we come out of where we're trying to, to unlock things. Yeah. But with regard to Mexico, I think uh, Overlean Pineda has been sick. The number 10, I really like his game a lot. I think that he's very good in transition of being in a tight space and rolling you with his shoulder one side or the other, like turning mm-hmm. in tight spaces. He's very good. Uh, Fueniz Mori didn't do as much against Canada, but he's still a presence. Mm-hmm. So he's going to occupy our two center backs they do a very good job, Mexico, of, of getting the ball wide and trying to whip in balls, which not necessarily unlike them, but but they seem to be looking for it a little bit more. Maybe because they know they have a big guy in the middle. Not to say they weren't doing it with Raul Jimenez, but it just feels a little bit different. Tecatito has been busy, you know, so you're going to have to keep an eye on what they're trying to do and where they're trying to cr- create, as we like to say, numerical advantages. I- I'm curious about Dos Santos, unfortunately, and this is super sad, his dad passed away. Right before the Canada game, he's still elected to play. That's all their celebrations were, we're very uh, Jonathan Dos Santos uh, related and focused as they should be. And, and so they've got that kind of going as well. I'm curious if you know if he starts in this particular game. He didn't start or play in the Nations League final, even though he was on the roster. And now, obviously, this is some unprecedented stuff when you lose your one of your parents. So I'm curious. There's a lot, of, a lot going on with this team, but mm-hmm. uh, they have a lot more experience than us. They've been in a lot more of these games, and this is going to be a great test for our young players.
0: One of the things that comes to mind for me against Qatar in the way that the U.S. approaches, Qatar sat back at the top. of uh, Literally, their first line of confrontation was the half line. And what that allowed me to see for the first time, which we had been wanting to see, is the distance between Bucio Legette and uh, Acosta because they were sitting so far deep they naturally had to be more connected right and right. there was no space for Busio and Acosta to just sit on top of the center backs because they were getting clear possession at the half line right. so that allowed uh, that allowed Busio to push higher up the field Legette to push higher up the field and 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 not collapsing on top of the the attack but starting to be in those half spaces in those pockets and and combined together there was a few times that i remember looking and seeing the three of them within 10 12 yards with, of each other, and you go, oh, that seems a little duplicitous or, or, or not that efficient. But if they're combining through those things to get in and out of spaces and really starting to, to annoy the Mexico team through combination play that goes in, out, in, out, in, out, sort of that pulsing, uh, that can start to frustrate them and, and, and pull them apart because they have so much quality uh, in their team. And then, obviously, the transition game. I think uh, I, 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 again, look at uh, the first 15 minutes against Mexico in, in the Nations League final and US goes down, obviously that changes the whole dynamic. It's tough to really simulate or replicate that in any other scenario than giving up a goal early. But uh, Acosta's movement changed in the first 15, 20 minutes where he went from sitting on top of that back line and they were just predicting it and just reading it and forcing it, uh, trying to force them to play through without any answers to then timing his run better and his body positioning to be able to approach when the pressure initiates, now I come in as the numerical advantage and now I've got my two, three options to get out. Now we've broken that first line and now Mexico is chasing it to get back into good positioning again. I think that was right. an, an, uh, an important factor that's going to have to happen. If we're going to try to play through that stuff, it has to be, it can't be sort of a faux buildup, which I thought we were in the first 15 minutes of that game, which is a little bit of like, oh, they're going to, we're going to try to build up, but we're not going to have a lot of options. Guys were hiding a little bit, letting the game settle in and that's fine. But then we need to say, okay, let's lump it into the corner and let the game settle in. Let's win those 50-50 battles. Let's establish ourselves. And then the game starts to open up and we can play that way. But the other thing, as I mentioned, is is that transition game. We talk about this U.S. team not having been really punished in this tournament for any sort of bad turnovers and transition uh, on the fly. We talked about Sands and Robinson both being good at putting out fires. Obviously, Sands... uh, um, Punished for for that uh, attempting to put out a fire in the, in the, uh, against Qatar. Obviously, don't they don't convert on the, on the penalty. But uh, that transition game of knowing when we press, when we drop, and and that confidence and sharpness on the ball is going to be so important because Mexico is different. They will two three passes. They'll get in behind, and they have the quality to to finish for you. Is there any is there any other? Uh, Things that you wanted to talk about from the U.S. side or from the Mexico side?
2: I do. With regard to the U.S., I hearken back to the Nations League final. I'm going to reference it again. Even though there weren't a lot of players there, three in total, that are currently on this roster, LeJet, Acosta, and Cannon. The way we scored our goals in that game were all set pieces. So the first one was Gio Reyna. Uh, Weston McKinney gets his head on it. I think Weston McKinney got his head in like 10 corner kicks that game, even though I think we only got six corners. So I think on all six corners of that game, Weston McKinney was on the end of it. So I'd like to think that Mexico is going to try to tighten it up in this particular area because that was the only way we, we scored. Uh, and the first one, Weston McKinney got hit the post, fell back to Gio Reyna, tapped it in. Thank you very much. The other one was, we're down 2-1. Weston McKinney scores directly in the 83rd minute to make it 2-2. And then we score a penalty to make it uh, 3-2. Christian Pulisic, well done. Very similar to Megan Rapino's penalty today to beat the oh Netherlands. Oh my gosh,
0: by the way. Top bins, oh by my, the way. Awful. So both
2: of those penalties, excellence. <laughs> and uh, you love to see it that they have the courage and the confidence to put it top bins in a big moment. That gives me a little bit because... Of concern, and I only say that because you still have to put yourself in positions to earn corners, to earn free kicks, to draw penalties. And to your point, it's going to be difficult, I think, for us. Based if we can't break down a Qatar, even though they've got numbers there, if we can't really generate anything consistently against Jamaica and Canada, obviously have proven their worth, but we had we struggled with them as well. That's where we got overrun in midfield. It, that gives me a little bit and and what's the cliche or the or the the old adage of you know whoever wins the midfield usually wins the game and yep. that's true right i mean it's, it's an adage and a cliche for a reason so this is going to be a tough test i think for these three particular players and so we need to draw set pieces there are vulnerabilities there from mexico they know it it's kind of in some ways like arsenal you know arsenal have this pension at least in the last five or six years so they give up a set piece (laughs) okay maybe 10 where it's just like ah crap this other team's gonna score and you can feel it and when you know a team has that kind of reputation you start to feel a little bit different on the attacking side of the ball like "Ah, these guys are vulnerable here you can Mm -hmm. feel they're they're tense so how can we take advantage of it how can we continue to prove that they're not good at this and and obviously we had a nice track record in the nation's league final so i think set pieces are going to be really really important and, and even though Canada didn't take advantage of theirs and I thought they were very good and that we just have to have good set, uh, good, whoever takes them, put them in good spots for our guys to attack it and really put uh, Mexico on their back foot. That's what I'll say from, from one more thing to add to that. But, uh, I'm curious to get into the lineup with you and who you think Greg Berhalter should start. Yeah. The,
0: the last thing I would say about that is, is to, to, to earn those corner kicks. It's bringing attacks to a conclusion, right? I think again, I, I don't want to reference Hoppy too much because I don't think he's been the only one that's been good, but he's one that, uh, that would frustrate me at times if I was playing with him because he's so direct with everything that he does. And I'd be like, hold the ball, let's keep it. But at the same time, when you're a team that's looking to who's going to stretch a defense or who's going to take those risks and bring attack to a conclusion that earns you corner kicks because he's going to run a guy to the corner flag or he's going to run at someone where they got to swipe it and kick it away. It's really that as opposed to just getting into these deep positions. And then we work our way back, trying to combine play and find the right little setup where we're going to have combination play to attack or create a goal scoring opportunity. I I think creating those those set pieces is going to be a lot about that that Mm -hmm. that uh, just mentality of when we get a half chance or we get to take a shot. You saw Buchanan. That's a tough angle that he scored against Mexico, but he does a step over two steps. He's coming in from wide position. Mexico is sort of imbalanced and and when they're recovering back to their goal and has a go and it scores and. That's what the U S has to be willing to do. We can't have a, a, we can't be trying to walk it in. Obviously Hoppy puts, puts DK into a great spot. And we're going to talk about the lineup that, 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 that we think that we should roll out with, but those types of scenarios of constantly bringing an attack to a conclusion, especially against Mexico, you get that opportunity early on one, you have to finish it, but two, we have to be willing to take chances and risks in front of goal.
2: Yeah. I, I think there's one tactic that I think can work and it, it's almost Harry Kane-esque in terms of how deep he was dropping for England and how deep he was dropping for Tottenham this last particular season where he come in and uh, instead of laying it off necessarily to somebody in, in midfield when he does drop deep, he's actually turning himself because nobody's tracking him because he's going mm-hmm. so deep, and then he's dropping in the dimes. Now, I'm not expecting DK or Zardes to do that, but if they can drop into that midfield a little bit, hold up the ball and bring uh, uh, Hector Moreno or somebody in, into the midfield with him, and then you have that hoppy kind of slash in behind or Areola or Roldan or whoever we think should be, you know, that's where I think we could have some success, but that obviously is all on one making sure that that entry pass is open, right? So that we can get it to them, to their feet. And I don't know, Mexico does a very good job of kind of blocking that entry pass into the big number nine. Uh, so, so. We also clog
0: the entry pass by the way, with the three midfield system, we clog the entry pass quite that's a bit. True. That's true. That's true. That's true. Not a lot Sometimes of times they get lanes. each other way. And, yeah, there isn't. A- yeah. And that's where, You know, one of the things that I used to love playing the game the few times that I played winger was that clear entry ball into a striker and then your your wingers or your midfielders Mm -hmm. following up underneath right so it creates Mm -hmm. a, a passing lane to the striker and now you're following up underneath a one touch or two touch layoff and now you're facing that defense and facing upfield and you're going and. I remember when you do pattern play in training, you work on that so often of coming up underneath and now you're facing the game. He's that your forward doesn't have to turn or turn out or do anything special other than hold up the ball, Mm -hmm. lay it off and go. I don't think the U S has done that a lot. And I think they've blocked each other's passing lanes, which I think has been to a detriment of our nine. Mm -hmm. And I think for a Mm -hmm. long time is a detriment to our number nine of finding ways to, one, get them involved Two, keep them involved and find effective ways to keep those two center backs. Honest, Jimmy, you know, uh, and, and, and I promise everyone we'll get to the lineup here. Of, of what we, <laughs> Jimmy, you know what it's we like as a center back, but ourselves. when there's, yeah, but you know what it's like as a center back, if there's, if those passing, if you can get somebody to block those passing lanes all day long, you're like, you know, pull out a chair, grab yourself a drink and just kick back and be like, Dude, this guy's never getting the ball. This is fine. I'll do my few uh, reps in the box to clear the ball and keep him, uh, uncomfortable. But for the most part, when that when you have a, a six or or an eight and a six that can block passing lanes or they're they're cannibalizing their own space on the field, it's an amazing scenario. And that's what I think they need to be able to work through. Because if you can't keep those center backs honest, by the time it actually does ever come, you got one who's going to front, one who's going to back, one who's going to be able to go through them because they know this is a 50-50 chance. I've got cover uh, and and those types of things. So I, I do think that that movement off the ball and those angles is going to be really important, but Jimmy, I'm not going to let you comment on that. I know you want to, we got to talk about the We know we got to talk about the lineup. So give me, give me your starting lineup. Uh, I guess starting with obviously no change in goalkeeper. Is there anybody that you're changing in your back line for this one?
2: No, I would say that I think Sammy Vines even really late in the game. I think you and I commented on it a little bit where, or maybe it was somebody I was watching the game with. He was bombing forward even though we were, we were winning and he's still trying to create that width. So the fact that he's got that type of energy and continue to get up and down the line. I think it's gonna be very important. So it'll be nice to see how he matches up against a Tito And and if that changes his his attacking prowess in some capacity. Shaq Moore for sure, gonna be the same on the other side. We need those guys to be seven and eights overall, right? We just need them to be solid, continue to provide the width for the team when, when that when the width is needed. Cause sometimes I see Hoppy actually hang out by the sideline and then Vines has got nowhere to go. So we'll see where that where that plays out. But yes, and then Robinson and Sands for sure. I think you can t- you continue to roll out the same guys. My only fear, everyone, is that Greg Berhalter might want to match up. Canada had a back three, and I thought it worked to great effect. And he might see that and try to do something similar. But I, I totally encourage him not to do it at this point. Stick with your back four. Stick with the same guys. They know how they're, each other are moving. We've seen it before with, with other coaches, including our own. Jürgen Klinsmann comes to mind when he took out Kyle Beckerman in the 2014 World Cup once we played Belgium because Jeff Cameron. Played against Marwan Fellaini a few times in the Premier League. Don't even get me going. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> but, but, but the fact that you, you've built this rapport with these players around you and you know how they move in certain situations. So to change that now and maybe bring in a Donovan Pines or a Kessler and go with a back three when you don't have the same type of reps in high-pressure situations isn't going to be a good look for us. I think it's just going to create more issues and actually solve any problems for us. So I hope we stick with the back four. Legette's gonna play for sure. Acosta, I think the, the genius move from, from Greg so far was moving Acosta from the kind of the eight spot and playing off the shoulder of Bucio to being the straight six, and he's been playing a lot better since then. You're putting him in his best spot to succeed. I don't know if Bucio starts. I actually thought when Roldan came in and he p- switched out with Bucio, he played the eight pretty well. And I think he has a nice tendency of going a little bit wide if we need that and stretching it. And that allows Ariola to maybe even get closer to DK or Zardes up top. So I think Roldan has something there. That said, he's stuck with Busio this whole time, and, and Busio can give you a good 60 minutes, and then you bring on Roldan to be the super subs. I wouldn't be surprised to see that as well. So we probably could see the same midfield for the same exact reasons I said we should keep the back line. There's something about building that rapport and that trust. Up top, though, Areola, I, I I'm a fan of his energy and his leadership. I, I would consider putting Roldan there. Giacchini, actually, I think will probably come on as a super sub, just like he did when there's some tired legs from Mexico. He didn't come on and make a difference like he did against Qatar. Hoppy will play for sure. Daryl DK has been quiet. I think we all want him to play better than he has been, of course, and I'm sure he wants that too. Zardes has just been a, more of a difference maker. So that's the big question mark. The biggest question mark for me is whether you go with DK once again and roll out the same consecutive lineup for the, th- for the third consecutive game. That's the
0: hard part, right? You you don't change a winning lineup. That's the hard thing. They haven't played particularly well, but they found a way to scrap it out. I think DK puts in a shift, but hasn't been the thing that we need him to be offensively. I think if he finishes his chance from Hoppy in that last game, we're having a different conversation just because yeah. you say, yeah. well, you're paid to score goals. You've been put in positions now to score goals. That's the first and foremost. The rest of, of whether we work you into the game or keep you more involved in the game is, is more of a collective issue and, and, and the system of play in which we're, we're, we're approaching a game, uh, which I think is, again, a, 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 an issue that we've had with our strikers for a long time in the national team when we play with, with a, a single number nine up top. But I agree with you. I think Bucio for me, I thought was, was arriving late at times when we needed to put out fires against Qatar as well in terms of transition game and not getting back uh, quickly where a Rodon is going to obviously think defensively first and put in that Mm -hmm. sort of two-way shift. I don't know if you change that. I don't, I haven't seen enough from Busio to think that he's confident or comfortable enough yet to, to sort of, use his best things, which is being on the ball and breaking lines of pressure and turning in tight spaces and half spaces and all the things that you're seeing glimpses of that I think are going to continue to get better against a Mexico team that's going to overcommit and overcollapse. And one or two of those turnovers could quickly in a young player's mind like that go, okay, this is not where I want the ball. This is not for me. I'm just going to play backwards and sideways and these types of things. I think we saw that with Jackson Ewell um, at, at points too, where you just, you see that shift in their mind where they go, okay, play safe first and then second. Do the thing, and I, I don't want Bucio to ever be that guy. I'd rather him not play uh, because of, of who you're playing against than to see him out of a team and or in the team and playing as a as a conservative type of player. Right, he is a difference maker on the ball. He's not going to be um, our traditional number six that kicks guys and wins balls and c- connect you know side to side and and, and do that. I think he ha- he's got too many skills to ever see him become right. that guy. So um, and then DK, yeah, I think it's time to go with Zardes. And I think people will complain because people have always complained about Zardes. I think people were complaining about DK. I think, again, this is a system issue, but Zardes, you know, why not? DK's hungry. The times that he has come in as a sub in his first few caps with the national team, he comes in and he's, and he's really going down. Also DK still seemingly ish- dealing with that shoulder issue that he doesn't look he, when he goes to ground or he's got to be physical obviously he's working with what seems like one arm right now. And he's a, he's, mm-hmm. he's a body that he needs to be able to use his body to, to scrap for space and fight for space and draw fouls and do all the things that he does really well. So he's one that I would, I would change out. Hoppy stays in, uh, again, my, my, uh, another concern, not concern, but another question I have is, is
2: do you go with, uh, Areola? I don't think he's been He's coming off an injury. Yeah. I, I was actually surprised that he started or and lasted as long as he did in the game against Qatar, and just because he's still there's something about his game that I like. He's 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 a player that you don't want to play against because he's always running, he's always yeah. doing things, he's always being a pest. And, yeah. and and you can speak as a defender, you hate that. You know, you hate that, oh man, this guy's gonna do this again, even if he doesn't get the ball. Yeah. What's wrong with this guy, you know? But but that's that's what keeps defenders honest. So there's something about his game that I really, really like. Mm-hmm. But if he's not turning those types of runs into something meaningful in a more consistent basis, then I think you have to go with, we could argue the hot hand with Roldan, on, but you know, when Roldan on did get a start, he didn't really do a lot with it either in this gold Cup. I agree. And so it's almost like he's really found some found a home in some ways as yeah. a super sub.
0: Yeah. And, and again, Ariel, I think has been fine. And my, it's a weird double standard because I'm saying, I'm saying Shaq Moore and Sammy Vines, they're doing fine, keep them. <laughs> but then I need, but that means that I need somebody else to, you said sevens and nines, right? Now right, I right. need Ariola to be a nine because we're not building up particularly well. We're not breaking lines of pressure particularly well. We're not that creative on the attack. Hoppy's been good because he's just got this energy to go. And I want that from Arleo. I it, It's sort of go wide open and create something uh, special. And perhaps I'm giving, putting too much pressure on, on other players because I'm allowing or I'm accepting that I know that I can get more out of Ariola. I don't know if I can get more out of Shaq Moore, right? I don't know if I can get more out of, out of, out of, out of Sam Vines in terms of the, w- what they're bringing to the game. I think they're doing good. I don't know if they have great in them consistently. We've seen that from RL in the past to be a difference maker
2: in the game. And now you're in a fight. Our our expectations are different for him and and they should be because he's older and he's been around. And if you're going to wear the captain's armband for the US, which he does at times, Mm -hmm. then you got to show up and and be the captain of the US. You know, you got to have more influence, uh, especially on the attacking side. So I get where you're coming from. Uh, Whereas, you know, you might create some caveats for other players, including Hoppy, who's still relatively young, obviously. Yeah. Um, closing thoughts, Jimmy? No, I just think, uh, with regard to Mexico's lineup, I think we're going to see something that is very similar to what we saw against Canada. Uh, they started Salcedo as a center back next to Moreno instead of Arajo, who started against Honduras in the center back position. So that might be one change. Obviously the Jonathan Dos Santos situation. We'll see if he starts. Uh, and if Eric Gutierrez starts in there instead, I think Dos Santos will start, but, um, uh, Yeah, outside of that, I think everything's going to be the same. And this is going to be an incredible test for our players. I'm so excited for this one. No matter how it goes, I don't even really, it's less about the results, right? It's about the the journey, everyone, not the destination, (laughs) but, but I do want to win. I hope that we win and I hope we put out a good performance and, and one that these guys don't have any regrets. I think when you're a player and you get these moments, and I remember going into the world cup, of course, I'm going to be nervous playing in a world cup. I, of course, I'm going to be nervous when I'm playing against Mexico in big games, but I just had to put that aside. I just don't want to regret not and be hesitant and be conservative and play safe. Like, just go out there and play, baby. Let's yep. go yep. And, and relax and enjoy it and, and take it all in because these games go by so fast. And, and these are the games that you live for. And you don't want to look back on it and be like, oh, I, I didn't I didn't play to my potential. I didn't I didn't have that swashbuckling attitude, you know. Yeah. I, and so I, I really hope that Greg is kind of uh, passing on these words with regard to betting, though, everybody. That's a tough one. I don't know if this is going to be a barn burner like the Nations League and go 3-2 or if it's going to be really tight because obviously both defenses have been pretty good throughout this tournament. It's been tough. I don't even really know where to, where to shape this other than the U.S. have some really good value think they're going to win straight up at plus 250, and that's something to, to take into consideration. There is one that I like, and if depending on where you're leaning, if you think U.S. is going to do it or Mexico, you can get the come from behind and win or draw. So for the U.S. to give up the first goal and come back to get the winner draw after 90 minutes, plus 430, I think that's really good value. Or if you think Mexico can do that, plus 380, I could see this going into extra time like it did in the Nations League final. So I like that one a lot. That means that one of these two teams is going to come from behind. You could actually bet both of those and make you know you put 100 on one, you get 430 if it hits, and 100 on the Mexico one, 380, and Like somebody's gonna do it. I don't think it's gonna be zero zero. So I could see that being probably some really good value, but you go take a look at it on William Hill. And I wish you the best of luck. I almost want (laughs) to refrain from giving too much advice here because I think my heart is way too much in the way. Yeah. That's well said, Jimmy. And 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 my my final
0: uh my final thought on that is 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 in complete agreement with what you said. Is I go back to the Champions League semifinal with Manchester City, right? And we expected Manchester City, they've run through teams in the league. And then you realized that most of these players have never played in a Champions League semifinal. Yeah, right. And they run through teams in the Premier League and they play beautiful style of play and you they just batter teams and they possess them to death and then you see them come out nervous and scared and can't connect passes and you're like this is Manchester City the team right. that spends billions of dollars has the best players in the world world class players and then you realize that you don't know what the stage is like until you've been on the stage and so for these US players it's just about understanding and embracing that nervousness. There's, You're going to wake up on game day and go, oh, this feels different. You know, my hands are sweating, <laughs> 100%, you know, like, 100%. I, I feel like, uh, like I'm getting an extra heartbeat right now. Like is something wrong with me? And there's that nervousness and that anticipation and leading up to that. And now you're playing in Vegas and it's going to be a sold out crowd. And it's going to be all these things that you cannot simulate in any sort of environment. I think the U S got uh, a lot of those players got their first rep of us, Mexico against, uh, in, in the nation's league final, these players are going to get that as well. And I will tell you this, you and I were in that tournament. That was a mix of the A and the B team in 2009. It's no different U S Mexico, no matter who is on the field, it is a huge game and the emotions are the same. The atmosphere is going to be insane. All of those things. There is no difference when it comes down to us playing against Mexico on who was on the field and what, what to expect that day. And so I, I, as I was trying to get to just go out, enjoy it, embrace, embrace that, that feeling because uh, you know, it's, it's normal uh, to feel nervous and scared and whatever comes out of you in that time, just embrace that and and leave it all out
2: there. That's great advice. I remember growing up and I'm sure everybody else does as well where we had these youth coaches, you can't be nervous. You shouldn't be nervous. They're telling you that, that, that ner- being nervous is a weakness. And really what I've learned throughout this whole thing is that being nervous just means you care. You care about what happens. You care about how you perform. You care about helping your team win. And that should not be seen as a weakness. That just means that you're passionate and that what you put into it and all the sacrifice, it matters to you. So yes, embrace the, the nervousness and then go out and enjoy it once it starts because there are n- there's nothing better than, than playing in the US-Mexico game. <laughs>
0: All right, so that's it from us, Jimmy. That is your Gold Cup final preview. Uh, so much to talk about. We probably should have left room for a little break in there. I thought this is going to be short and easy, and then I realized it's Heath and Jimmy talking about U.S. soccer in Mexico. This is going to go on for a long time. But <laughs> we, we appreciate all of you uh, for listening in. And As always, you can uh, follow uh, Pod on Twitter. Get in on the conversation as well as catch this podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen to your audio podcasts. Uh, from see Jimmy- the
2: recap, everybody. USA, yes. USA, <laughs> USA, USA.
0: Jimmy's <laughs> going to keep on doing USA. Stop we will be with you guys after, after USA, the final. USA, and USA, uh, from USA, the whole uh, k pod production team, we appreciate all of you and we will see you guys after the final. Woo!